All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Quick little break. I think I may have put on a little jammy jam right there. Um, here's one I got to throw in here. Um, this this also happened this year. Actually, this was uh, we mentioned this earlier, uh, back from the celebration times. But the Carver County authorities uh, this year announced that there would be no criminal charges in his in Prince's death. Um, mm-hmm. that's a, still a very big topic, at least to me it is, but, um, you know, I tend not to talk about that a lot because that's a trigger topic, but I am curious what you guys' thoughts are, if you have any on that. I mean, I, obviously I know it's a very big thing that I'm not getting into super details here, but, uh, I'm just going to big, sexy uh, any thoughts on, I mean, that was a big thing this year in, in regards to Prince, in my opinion. What, what do you think? Well, you know, unfortunately, with a lot of things like this, you know, a lot of unsolved situations, it's easy for people who are close to the situation to say, look, we need to get this done. And I understand that. But at the same time, you know, based on what has been released, you know, the medications weren't his, but they haven't tracked down where they came from. Um, I know one member of his employment, I'm not going to say names, but we all know who it is, has been linked as someone, as a person of interest, but still nothing has really come out of this. Now, I said way back when, somebody's got to take the fall for this, and I still believe that. Um, but at the time they made the announcement that no charges were being filed at that time. People also need to understand there is no statute of limitations on murder or homicides. So keep that in mind. So something may break at some point, who who knows? And then whoever is responsible, they got to get got, you know, people just don't get, don't get discouraged because it hasn't happened now. Does not, that does not mean it won't happen eventually. Well, and it hasn't stopped. Like the like the invested the official investigation stopped, but there have been other revelations that have come up, like conflicts of interest and and whatnot with the with the with the with the sheriffs and whatnot. And those things are creating, uh, you know, avenues for them to start to tr- try to possibly reopen the case uh, criminally again. So that's kind of interesting as well. And that that was more recent. That was like in the last few months. Um, that that's that that information started getting uh, talked about, but it's not getting talked about as widely as like, you know, right after he died, everybody was talking about it. Now it's like only one or two, you know, online news publications are talking about such things. It's it's not it's not front page news anymore, sadly. You know, and I'm OK with that. As long as the people who are doing the investigating are still doing their thing, I don't need it does not need to be on the front page. Because as long as the work is getting done, when something breaks, that's when we'll come back to the forefront and then we'll know what's going on. Fair enough. All right. Kinesa, you got anything to add on today? Yeah, that's that's a tricky one. Um, because I know, again, we were at that brunch when that stuff dropped and all of the paperwork and stuff for everybody to sift through, which seemed a little creepy to me. <laughs> Not to say I didn't read every single page of it, except for the pictures, which I was not interested in. And I happened to come across on accident on Facebook and I'm still mad about. But that was a lot to read through all of that. And I know they had that book by that guy that came out in the last 
month or so. Yeah. Which was not. Let me just say though, because I saw it come through and I saw him follow me and I'm just like, mm, not. But then I looked on Amazon and it was one of those books that are free if you're an Amazon Prime member. And I like to read everybody's books so that I can oh, properly really? judge them. So I checked it out and it was interesting because it's written in narrative form. It covers most of what was in the paperwork and it was interestingly emotional because, you know, they talk about the emotions of the people who were responding to the 911 call and all these people who were there within five minutes and what they were thinking as they were on their way there and things like that. So I was like, that's an interesting way to present that information if you don't have time to look through all of it. And if you're a Prime member and it's for free, I can't say pay for it because I'm like, uh, it's still a creepy project, but um, interesting. But yeah, it. I don't, I, I don't like to comment on that, not because, you know, it's drama filled or whatever, but because like some of the work that I do is related to opioid stuff and it's very deep and very complicated. So um, I will just say, uh, I don't even know what to say. I will say that it's very sad what happened. Um, it happens way more often than people think. It seems like how could this happen? But I'm not surprised if that was an issue and it happened, it, things turned out this way. I'm just not at all surprised, sadly. Do you remember the name of that book? Um, I can look it up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I I saw a few little rumblings about that book on Twitter. I think. Isn't it like the investigation of Prince's death? Like, I yeah, think it's, it's something like, that's pretty standard. Like, okay. And like, why did you name it that? Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, and you know, I, and I get it. I understand why people would be upset at those, but you know. I can look at it too as like, you know, not to compare the two per se, but I remember like, you know, Tupac and his whole situation. I remember there was a book that came out after, you know, his death. And it was from, it was not somebody who was a fan. It was literally just like some sort of investigative type reporter person, I think out of Vegas. And she had wrote a book. But one of the crazy things about that book, there was a picture of Tupac's body uh, in the book, like on the autopsy table or something, I mean, it was just, you know, takes your breath to see that. I didn't know it was in the book until I bought it. And I was like, man, you know, but I, at the time, I didn't feel like she had any sort of agenda. It was just like trying to investigate this. It was a, you know, very yeah, popular I mean, type of person. And so I don't, I'm wondering if his book is, I don't know, if, I, I don't know if this person's a fan or not, but is he just somebody that's like, yo, this is a, a big story and, I'm not sure what happened he's, here. I'm just presenting all these things. He said he's not a fan. And he doesn't put a lot of judgment in it. He's like, here's what happened. Here's what happened. Here's what's happened in the narrative form. Because um, he keeps calling Paisley Park a mansion. I'm like, why do you keep calling that? So there are things like that that mm -hmm. you can tell he doesn't really know Prince like that okay. as he's describing some of these things. But um, it really is just kind of like, here's what happened. It goes through from the 911 call. It talks about Judas thing for the 14th. It really places it all in context in a way that if, again, if you haven't sifted through all the documents, it just lays it all out there in a way that's easy to understand. But also it doesn't come from a judgment place either. Hmm. And also it's, it's interesting because we are all kind of mind blown about how this could happen. But the way that it's laid out in this narrative form is like Prince was struggling for a long time and it wasn't like a new thing. So to read it with, this format is like, gosh, there's a lot he was doing to make sure people didn't know or whatever. I mean, you can draw your own conclusions right. from
from the information that's here. And it's probably going to be based on how you see it in your own perspective and your own healing and how you view Prince as a person. And, and it wasn't anything surprising to me because I already have my idea of what that is like. But I can see, you know, if you're very sad still about Prince or if you have the kind of hero or if you have a certain perception of Prince, it's going to be a very exciting book to read. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll just say that. I can see, yeah, I can, yeah, I can see that. I can see that for sure. I'm, I'm going to check that out. Um, yeah, so that we, that's how we got in that conversation, the Carver County situation. Um, changing it up, I want to get off of that a little bit. Um, I have still have yet to see this, but I know this is, I think, touring overseas right now, the uh, For You Symphonic. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Thing. Uh, from those who have got to see, have gotten a chance to see that, uh, Prince's friend, you've you've seen this, right? You did, I think. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I'm I am intimately familiar with the show uh, because when I heard that it was actually coming to my town, I contacted the uh, the tour organizer and I was like, "Is there any way that I can get in and get in interviews or do whatever?" And then we ended up not being able to get those interviews done. Sadly, uh, it was mo- more a scheduling thing. Um, but I did get to. I did get to contact the people and talk to the people organizing it all. Um, I got to, you know, help with some of the promotion because I thought it was a really cool idea. And then I went and saw the show, and the show was, um, you know, pretty much as advertised. It's, you know, um, Prince's music uh, through the lens of a symphony, uh, and uh, and it was pretty cool actually. And there were things that could have been done better. Uh, you know, it could have, um, like, the entire show was all '80s. Uh, songs uh, and, and not even like a, a large smattering of 80 songs. It was is at particular albums. There was mostly Purple Rain and Parade uh, is most of the stuff that you got at the show. Um, but it was actually really cool uh, to see it in that through that lens. Um, you know, and it, it was more it was my issue with it was more an issue of expectations because mm-hmm. the very first thing that you get is Questlove says, "Hey man, the first half of the show is going to be." I mean, he, he didn't he didn't say, "Hey man," like speaking to me. Uh, but you know, he's like, <laughs> um, <laughs> "Hey, hello." Um, but he's like, "The first half is going to be deep cuts." And I was like, "Oh man, hold on, wait a minute." And he's like, "And then the next half, you know, the second half will be the hits." And I'm like, "Cool." So, but then the first half was like stuff from you know, it was like basically the entire album of Parade. And, you know, and then like songs like Controversy and and I'm like, wait a minute, what? Like, these aren't deep cuts. What are you talking about? Um, You know, but had he I think maybe had that speech or that beginning statement been different Mm -hmm. then my then my enjoyment of the show might have been higher. But I think, you know, because I'm so deep in it, um, you know, I was expecting something quite different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same. Because like the commercials that we got in Atlanta, it was like, here's a thing that's going to cover his expansive musical catalog. And I knew it wouldn't be that because of the person who curated it and the types of uh, eras that he likes to talk about or champion. So I knew I, I like I said, with the books, you know, I'm going to read your book so that I can properly say things about it. And so I went and I, I, I had the expectation that it's just going to be an 80 show. But what I did appreciate were the interspersing of Prince talking about different things or um, the pictures that they had going. It might have like snippets of his writings and things like that. And of course, as usual, the thing I enjoyed the most is how the crowd responded 
to the symphony like people like the beautiful ones with like everyone screaming and you know singing along and things like that to where the symphony members were like looking at us like what (laughs) so it it was cool and then also like the music that was played before in Atlanta it wasn't just like hits they were they played Wally like the real Wally or like bootleg stuff before our show so that was cool to have the environment of getting excited and then you go into the show but again, like, because I've seen some other symphony people covering Prince music, and it was more inclusive. Like, the Detroit Symphony did a New Year's Eve thing a couple of years ago, where they had the the guy fronting, where he was talking about Prince stories, and the times he met him, and things like that. But it was songs that were across his whole album, and not just one decade. So that's kind of how, I mean, it was a good show. If it comes to your city, and they come do another leg in yeah. Atlanta, def- or not Atlanta, in the United States, definitely go. But... This is also an opportunity for people to know that he's more than 10 years worth of work. But there are other avenues to do that. But, you know, I'm always going to gripe about that. You know, like our podcasts and YouTube channels, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, I mean, you know, I think, too, you know, I think it's important to put in context who who is marketed to. I, mm-hmm. is, when when Love is saying there's deep cuts, you know, he's probably talking to a more mainstream person who those songs would be deep cuts as opposed to, you know, something from the gold album that's not a deep cut for most people they're unknown but, regions like they don't even know that exists. but on that same note the i think that was also part of it too yeah. is that the marketing for that show is almost non-existent uh you know so you almost have to be in the prince world to even know that it's coming to your town uh, how was the so turnout there when you went when i went um maybe a third of of the you know the venue was actually full, mm-hmm. so really? the entire the entire floor was full, but then there were just like small smatterings of people up in the actual stands. Wow. Yeah, it was, it was really full. But Atlanta's weird about Prince. We're, we always turn up. True. Stuff like that. And where did you see it, Princess Friend? I'm, I... Uh, I saw it at the Euling Center here in Tampa. Oh, okay. Yeah, so Tampa didn't show up, sadly. You know, <laughs> um, but you know. Uh, but you're right. Like Atlanta's a much deeper. I think Atlanta's also more entrenched in music in general. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because Tampa's. You know, I I say I always love I love living here because it's boring. But I also hate living here because it's boring. Hilarious. You know, so. <laughs> but back to your point, Michael. Like some of them were hits, but there were like some deep, maybe one or two from the parade era that were not, you know, well known either. So I'm like, if you're gonna do deep cuts. Why not? You know, if you're going to put a couple in there, you can be more inclusive of the catalog. The only one that I heard was All In My Dreams. That was the only, like, deep Wow, cut. they did that? That's crazy. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, I, and I gave them props even in, in my own review that I did. I was just like, nah, man, like, they definitely did that one song. And they did it well. It was it, they, they did a good job with that song. But that was pretty much the only deep cut for somebody who already knows Prince's music. Right. Gotcha. Also, just to stay on the Quest Love thing real quick. Uh, at least for me this year, I don't I hesitate to say I know the dates of his other shows, but it was quite a highlight this year to listen to some of the Prince-related uh, Quest Love Supreme podcasts. I, mm-hmm. uh, the Jesse Johnson one jumps out at me. That was that yeah. was such a great listen. Uh, Jimmy Jam uh, as well. Uh, I just to jump off the road for a quick second. Just for my music hip hop fans, the newest one with Snoop Dogg that just dropped the other day is phenomenal. I was just like, because they went into so much deep. It was kind of like same thing with Prince. They didn't just talk about doggy style. They went into like 
the later albums and was getting deep into it. I was like, how'd they know about that? But, so they do a great job over there. But uh, yeah, the, the, the Questlove stuff. And I wanted to ask Big Sexy to jump in too because I know he listened to uh, this as well over this year with, for some of his thoughts. Well, with the Questlove, you know, it all started for me back when he did the Alan Leeds one, which was great. And like you said, Jimmy, uh, Babyface was great. There's so many things out there. Jesse Johnson's, you know, like you mentioned, really just set the standard. And the thing about Quest is what I enjoy about it is they talk about the entire guest music experience because there's so much to learn. I just listened to one the other day with Ray Parker and he talked about, you know, how his band radio broke apart and and again it's the same things that get to a lot of musicians, insecurity and jealousy. And again, if you want to be in this business as a performer or a manager or what have you, listen to these recordings because it is a roadmap of what not to do in some cases. You don't want to get caught up in your own ego and make the same mistakes that a lot of people in all genres have made. All right. All right. Shout out to all those guys over there. Uh, you know what? Let me say else. publicly, <laughs> at some point, we need to break bread with Quest, man. I ain't going to say nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> a shout out to those guys over there for sure. Um, another big thing this year is the uh, University of Minnesota. They gave the honorable doctrine to Prince this year. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. That was a pretty big deal. <laughs> Dr. Nelson yeah. in the building. Uh, that yeah. was pretty awesome. You know. I I think that the cool thing about that was also – that was pretty funny. God, I'm trying to remember who it was that I was speaking to. But I was speaking to somebody who, you know, was behind the scenes and knew a lot of stuff about kind of the goings-on even before Prince um, had, had, was no longer on this plane. And um, one of the things was that that was already an ongoing thing. Uh, they had actually offered Prince that thing, and then Prince was just like, yeah, you know, whatever, <laughs> you know, and um, and then they were just like, cool. And it just took time for it to actually like come to fruition and for them to do the whole thing. Um, but like that was I think it was a really cool honor. Uh, but it was interesting that, you know, Prince was like, cool, that's a cool thing for me to have. But he wasn't, you know, he wasn't tripping on it or anything like that. Yeah, that, that sounds like a Prince move. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I, I, but I, you know I I thought that was a really cool thing to do. Um, I can be cynical and say, I should have gave that to him when he's alive. But you just said that you know, maybe they yeah, tried. Yeah, I mean they, they were actually trying to, and he was like, yeah, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, another thing that and I posted this out on Facebook, and some people were asking some things and wanted to touch on this: the uh, rumored release of the Prince uh, memoir uh, that was. People, yeah. A lot of people thought it was going to happen uh, this year. Um, I looked up something here, and I guess it all comes from, I'm reading Entertainment Weekly, uh, says, uh, speaking on Variety's Strictly Business podcast, the agent representing the book claimed that it was set to be published around the holiday season. Um, mm-hmm. Now, they said a representative from Random House, who I guess is who they have to deal with, 
told Entertainment Weekly that that book is not currently scheduled to be published in 2018. So this still, you know, up in the air about that book. I think, you know, the, the story is that Prince had completed up to like 50 pages. Yeah. You know, whatever that means, you know, uh, what's on those pages. And, you know, there's a possibility, you know, there, some of the conversation here was that it's a possibility they may, uh, keep those handwritten pages as a part of the book possibly I, do I, I still want to see what this could be but I think you have to treat something like this with kid gloves and mm -hmm. like really needs to be done with the utmost respect and care uh, to whatever his wishes were to you know, agreeing to do this project you know how much is that of the 50 pages how much is it supposed to be or you know what I mean so I, that's not something you want to rush out, but I just only wanted to bring it up because people were asking about it. And I'm curious what yeah. you guys' uh, thoughts were on this. And the, the running title for this at the time was The Beautiful Ones. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think that'll be an interesting project. And, you know, given how private Prince was, because I think I saw some description of it being prose and like poetry and thoughts and things like that. And I have Vanity's book or Denise's book and hers is kind of like that where you're reading it and you're like yeah I know what you said and then you have to be like wait what did you just say <laughs> I feel like a print <laughs> book would also be like but um yeah it'll be interesting to see what comes of it and if the 50 handwritten pages was like in a notebook paper that he sometimes would do and and is it big writing is 50 pages really 10 pages and mm. things like that well, yeah, and I actually did a video about this earlier in the year. Um, I think that that's essentially what Kanisa just said is, what is 50 handwritten pages? What does that mean? Um, and because what, what a lot of the time what happens with these memoir type books is, you know, whoever is in charge of actually writing that book, because uh, Prince isn't going to write the book. Prince is going to have a few interviews with the person that they've hired to write the book and is going to give him some, you know, give him or her some handwritten notes for them to reference. And then that person ends up writing the book, kind of collecting the thoughts and putting them in order in a way that makes a book. So, you know, I wonder if, because the fifth, you know, what does that mean, though? D did they actually get around to having those interviews with each other, though, you know, that they could get an idea of Prince's, you know, uh, direction and what they wanted to have? Or did they just get just the 50 pages? Like, you never know. Um, one of the fun things about having kind of the community that I have is um, somebody actually asked that in uh, one of my live streams that I was doing. And I said, I actually have no idea. I'll find the answer to that. And then the next day, somebody said, yeah, um, I heard that you were asking about that thing. So I went ahead and emailed uh, the publisher and they said it should be uh, quarter one of 2019. You know, so it's like, wow, really? OK. I mean, this is information that I got from a comment in my YouTube channel. So, you know, I have no way to authenticate it. Uh, but it's funny, like if you've asked a question, somebody somebody will go and try and track down that answer. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I, I'm very curious to see uh, how they handle this book and, and this year we also got announcements of other upcoming Prince projects uh, coming down the line. I know they announced this year that there would be another album on title of unreleased mm -hmm. work, which I, you know, very curious to see what that ends up being. That's that coming out next year. Did they ever get a date of 
or time reference for no next they year? just said they said the beginning of 2019 so we don't know when the beginning is okay so <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm, I'm all ears for that um of course they announced the you know they're working on these prince related movies and documentary mm -hmm. projects uh that we can look forward to in the coming years um also, Prince Estate released uh, a number of different products, whether officially through them or licensed through other means. Of course, there's the, the big one uh, recently was the I'm not a sports person, so excuse my ignorance. Uh, the, there's the Timberwolves mm -hmm. jerseys, yes. right? Uh, that one was a big deal. I know I see a lot of there was the uh, Funko. Uh, yeah, the Funko Pops. Funko yeah. Pops this year. I got a couple of those. Um, I think recently the estate is putting out one of those uh, jerseys, the MPG jerseys. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Mm -hmm. For the low, low price of two hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it's a collector's item. Uh, there's been a number of T-shirts. Uh, That's kind of what I do appreciate. Well, okay. I mean, I'm. I'm not gonna say what I am, but I spend <laughs> a lot of money on print stuff, and um, but I appreciate again the the variety because like they're doing a lot of vintage shirts. Because when we were at Celebration, they had, like, mm. the old school Purple Rain tour short that the week prior would be $200 on eBay, but now you can get it for, like, what, $25, $30? And then, but from Paisley Park. And then they have, like, the 90s shirts on the official site. Um, might take, you know, a couple months to get it, especially if it's a pre-order. But I think maybe they have things in stock now that they're releasing through the official store. And then of course you have like the 3121 and musicology and planet earth coming out on purple vinyl in February. Right. right. Mm -hmm. So there's a, there's a lot happening as far as things being sold. And I know across the pond they have, I can't think of the name of the store, but there's a place in maybe uh, England maybe that has a lot of Paisley park official stuff from there so you can get stuff from there instead of having to have someone in america mail you things over there um <laughs> they get a lot of license and um exclusive things too so they're trying to at least get merchandise to everybody so that you can get it locally in a way I, i've seen them pop up in like hot topic or asos yeah. i saw a prince shirt with just his face like 19 i mean like early prints like the second album prints and i'm like that's really interesting to see and they're all official so but then again you're showing up um in some of these gift stores like a spencer's or something like that which is weird but it's about exposure right and i'm gonna yeah, apologize yeah. to all my listeners you hear that little kid crying in the background somebody's getting a behind tour up out there but that's what happens <laughs> that's what happens when you have real kids and sometimes it ain't all that's happy, you know. It, that's how, it's a black household. That's what's going down. So I keep it one hundred on my show. But anyway, um, I was cutting somebody. Uh, but, off. What, I don't even remember what I was going to say. Um, the uh, but the thing about uh, the estate kind of putting out more licensed things and and whatnot. Um, you know, a lot of people ha have an issue with that sort of thing. It's like Prince would have never done that. Mm. But the the interesting thing about all of these things is that Prince was content with the money that he made with his tours you know but if prince isn't here to tour anymore there where where are you going to get that money is essentially what the estate is saying uh so you know if they you know if they want to keep paisley park up and running then it kind of needs to be a museum you know if if we want to get you know more albums and whatnot out there they have to 
have some more licensing things and they want to spread the word and make him a little bit more of a household name. Like, you know, yes, he used to be way back in the day, but you know, he had gone, he had gone kind of underground. Everybody knew who Prince was, but unless you were, unless you were looking for Prince, you didn't find Prince. Uh, so I actually appreciate the fact that they're kind of doing more, you know, T-shirts and licensing and making big deals about some of these releases, even the re-releases. There were a lot of people who were like, who cares, I already have this album. Like, yeah, but they're making a big deal about this. This is actually super important that we pay mm-hmm. attention to these things, um, you know, because what, what they're doing is releasing these albums that didn't get that much circulation because, you know, um, Musicology 3121 Planet Earth, those were ones where Prince was kind of playing around with different ways to distribute, you know, his albums. So it got into, you know, a lot of people's hands, but not into the worldwide distribution that it can get now. Uh, so, you know, that's, it, that's sort of the thing. And, and, if, and again, like, you know, I'm, I'm always the sensible level headed one. So then people hate everything I have to say. Uh, but, you know, so like, but we have to approach it in that vein, you know, it's, these are the steps that the estate feels that they need to do in order to start, kind of building up his legacy a little bit more. And he's always going to have that legacy. But right now, you know, the the legacy that he mostly has is, you know, he wore purple and he was in a movie called Purple Rain, exactly. you know. And, you know, uh, any steps that the estate can help do that, and obviously that's, you know, why we have our own shows and whatnot as well, but, like, we can't do it alone. Like, we can't fight the estate, The you know. <laughs> so, really, we can only just keep hoping that the estate keeps doing these things that, you know, kind of puts Prince back into people's minds again. Mm. I think that's really important, too, especially one thing we didn't talk about are how the catalog hit the streaming services. And people were like, Prince would never want that. And Prince wouldn't sell all these things. I'm like, what about 1-800 New Funk? What about, like, especially the quality of the stuff that they're doing? And I'm like, did we really need a plastic symbol keychain that cost, like, 20 or 15 bucks back in the day when he was here? So it's like, um, it was interesting to see the streaming comments come through. Because I remember when they did drop, um, I was retweeting people who had never heard things before. Like, people who were in their 20s or something. I saw one particular tweet where this guy was like, I just picked up this 3121 song. I've never heard anything like it. This is blowing my mind. And he was like, maybe 21, 22. He hasn't been exposed to it before. And sometimes we talk about we're afraid that people won't get prints. And and I'm it's 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 scary because we're so connected to it. But I'm like, the thing that brought us to Prince was the music. The music is yep. always going to be good. So as long as you get the music out there for people to hear, they're going to connect to it. So that's kind of been my thing. I'm like, welcome, everybody. If they haven't heard it before, amazing you're about to have your life change from these other 39 albums that he did so. exactly well and it's and it's exactly that it's the same thing on youtube where they started putting out his videos on youtube and stuff and people are like no he didn't want him on youtube it's it's terrible but but you do you know why he didn't want him on youtube is because youtube didn't pay enough money and he didn't want it on the streaming services because he's like streaming services don't don't want to pay me what my music is worth and so it's not like he had a moral obligation to these things uh, or a moral objection to these to these platforms. He was like, no, I want you to pay me what I feel like I'm worth. Now, if he's not around and he's not touring his music now, the value of that, I mean, sadly, is is lower because the estate needs to make some money off of that music now. 
to keep everything going. So, you know, the the value of his music from his perspective is different than the value of his music from the from the estate's perspective. To the estate, yeah, we'll we'll take some YouTube money, we'll take some music streaming money, we'll do that because then we're going to use that to invest in getting that next album out. Uh, I, I agree with a lot of what you said, but I do want to say this. The thing, though, the only thing I, I say to this is, you know, when you talk about Prince and streaming and all that, you know, he 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 wasn't against streaming. You know, right. I, I was going to keep the story 100. <laughs> like, put them on all the streaming places, you know, cool. Get it out there to everybody. But my thing is, too, also on some platform, whatever, put out why he didn't have them on certain streaming services, too. Like, Put the whole story out there because I think mm-hmm. it puts it all in the context and you can appreciate things better. And it and again, aside from the legacy part, I think it educates people that I think he was really trying to holler at and say, listen, understand our worth. You know what I'm saying? There's a reason yeah. why he said what he said about title and why he moved over there. It wasn't a financial thing. He was trying to put people up on some other, on some game, right? So I think mm-hmm. that part of the, the story needs to be put out there too. So yeah, it's going to be on Spotify and da-da-da-da and da-da-da. And then maybe they, on the website or something. But here's why he did the way he did it. Some of y'all are going to feel what he was trying to tell, you know, what he was, the, the, the reasons yeah. for his actions, you know what I'm saying? So we putting it out here because we got to get the music out there to everybody. We're trying to get money. But, and that's all great. That's how you can run a business. And then we can show you why was Prince, why did he make the moves he made? Why did he put Slave on his face? Why did he take his music off of this? Why did he sign that deal? I just think that, you know, as we like to say, you got to have the same energy mm-hmm. <laughs> for the truth as you do for the finances. So, when he, and I think that's important to Prince. You know, he wasn't lying. You know what I'm saying? I don't think he was really out there trying to mislead people or do funny business. He was about, yo, I'm doing me at all times. It don't make no sense to you, but this is why I'm doing it. Now, again, he ain't here, right? So he can't just go on tour and make all that bread. But at least they can keep the story of why he, how, why did he act like that? Why was he making moves like that. And and you know why? Now go over there and stream the music, right? Or go to YouTube and support it. But they could also just as easily upload his interviews on their YouTube channel too. Again, oh, yeah. the, same, the same energy would dictate that they would put those same interviews up on YouTube and make the money off of that. But let my man tell his story. You know what I'm saying? Like the story that he put out. Well, why didn't you, why did you do? They could put the Tavis stuff up there. They could put a lot of those up there too. And again, it just it gives the new people who just come into the music they'd be like you know what this dude was deeper than music like mm-hmm. he was man this guy was a trailblazer like he was really about you know his his revolution his his thing owning your stuff and i think that's even just as much as uh now i understand why from financial point of view the state can't be in business with the universals and all that trying to teach people not to do deals. I can understand why they're not putting that story out there. But to me, in terms of like us as a people, you take that how you want to as other musicians and content creators, it's important to understand what Prince was also really about and why he took a stance and why we should keep that same thought process when we deal with our creations. Because you can say, man, you see how Prince, he told the line. Some people say he might have took an L because 
You didn't hear from them too much in the 90s. Well, how come all the, you know, the, the question would be, well, why didn't you hear about 3121 and all those 90 albums? There was a reason why they weren't out in the mainstream. It wasn't because they wasn't good. We can right. hear that. Now you get to hear that they was dope. But why wouldn't you? De- how come you didn't get to hear? Well, here's the reason why. And so, yeah. so that's why I say I, I support them putting all of them out there, but I also support too to put, you should put the whole story. And maybe that's for us to do. To, yeah. to yeah. be able to talk about that as well. Completely agreed. Um, but yeah, I'm glad that the music, the YouTube videos, that's, yeah, I, I actually, I think that's really dope, you know, because a lot of times I'll be at where I work at, you know, we got a huge, big ass TV up there and I'll just put it on, you know, a little Prince playlist on YouTube and let it rock. And a lot of young cats be like, <laughs> a lot of, uh, let me keep it 100. A lot of them be like, your boy look crazy, Mike. But that's the jam. But that's what song is that? And they be like, "What is he wearing?" And I'm like, I'm like, I said, be like, because we were watching uh, the Love Bazaar with Sheila E. Uh, when Prince gets up there, you know, in the '80s, and they was like, "Man, I heard that song before." And they were watching them, and they're like, "What does he have on?" They kept saying that. I was like, "But I said that's my man." You know, I said he didn't give a damn, man. He was on some other shit. But they was like, "Man, this is." This is good, man. And uh, other things just start rolling. They just start watching it. And a lot of them to see it is also a great thing, right? That's why I think these mm-hmm. videos are great because they see and it looks so different from today, you know, because yeah. the dress totally different. The styles are different. But that music and you put it all together like, wow, okay, I see what you like about this guy, man. He's, this, is, this is pretty good. I'll only push back on the videos on YouTube and I don't know why, but. I don't know how much does it cost for them to maybe put them as higher quality on YouTube, but I don't know if that's nitpicking, but it, when you're watching it on a 4K 65-inch TV and it's like a 320p, it, it looks a little crazy. That's all I'm saying. That's concerning, <laughs> honestly, because it's like, are they doing it for a reason or is that all they have access to, which is a little concerning. Like, shouldn't you have access yeah. to the original? Like, some- this is like download from the Lotus Flower website or something like that. Yeah, yeah. It's like they took somebody, some fan's bootleg version of it yeah. and uploaded that, which I, I would imagine doesn't Warner Brothers have higher quality. But I don't know. I, I respect the effort, though. It's the fact that it's up I mean, there. but you also hear the stories where a lot of these videos were Prince was being bored in the soundstage, so they grabbed, you know, Steve Park's camera and they made something. So maybe it's right. not in a better quality. Exactly. Yeah, that's quite possible. Um, anything else... That we need to mention. Uh, I did want to do two things. Um, one, uh, because obviously I work in IT, the Yes We Code work that's being done, um, that's still going forward. They actually just finished a cohort with Infor, I think it's called, where they brought they put out applications for um, underrepresented people to come to learn to code. And so they went through like a couple of weeks of a, a training and learning how to code and learning the business of IT work and they just graduated like either their first or second cohort maybe a week or two ago and that was part that was a partnership with Yes We Code which Prince um, was instrumental in standing up so that's very cool that's going forward and then of course you have to mention PR and alumni where they had their um, panels at the symposium earlier this year and of course um, their holiday or not their holiday their winter fundraiser back in October where they had um, the panels for the alumni shares and the Maceo Parker and Candy Dulfer 
show and um, the bowling and stuff. So they're continuing to raise money for the different initiatives and supporting Prince alumni as well as uh, the type of people and organizations that he would also support that they are continuing to do and doing t-shirts. Troy just came out with a new t-shirt, um, Steve Park t-shirts, Rosie Gaines t-shirts, and it's all very cool. All right, all right. Anything else? Um, we didn't really talk about Prince Live on the big screen, but I'm okay <gasps> with not talking about that what? if that's... Wow. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. Wait, did you have a problem with it? <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Let's get it. <laughs> oh no. Okay. I didn't I didn't have a problem with it, but it 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 it's it spoke to a certain piece of me. I don't know, you might not have seen my video of, of my review of it. It was essentially just me in tears the entire time. Uh, really? Um Wait, are you in tears I, of joy or tears? No. Oh my gosh, no. I wish that they were tears of joy. Oh, wow. Um, but uh, we can leave that for another. I, honestly, I was just interested, kind of, in what you guys were thinking about that um, that show. Because for me, that was just as big a deal as the For You Symphonic thing. That you know, it didn't go on tour or anything, but it was a big deal. Um, yeah. During that celebration. Yeah. yeah, we did a whole, I did a review on that, but I just to quickly say, I I thought it was dope. Like I I want that to be the tour personally. I I thought that was, it was very well done. Like. Uh, I didn't know what to expect, and just the interaction between the band and the prince on the screen, I thought was done very, very, very well. You know, would I wish that there were other time frame? You know, I can nitpick it, but uh, what they, you know, what they presented to me, I actually thought it was really dope. But I'm so I'm very mm. interested to hear what you thought about it. But can yeah, you me too. Well, no, I, mean, I did too. It's like. Uh, I'd seen that format happen before because the first um, tribute they did October 2016, they did a small version of that where his voice came over and the band played with him. So I that part, because that's the first time that's the first time I had cried about Prince because I was you know denying denying, and then when I heard his voice come over, I was just like, oh, this is a lot. So the Prince on the big screen, we were all kind of like, what's going to happen because it moved the day because of I think the playoffs or whatever. Right. And so we all went. It was kind of the seats were weird if if you were there for a celebration, but whatever. And then the experience of seeing him on screen with the band was good musically, sonically, but the emotional impact of it was a lot. And I'm actually really glad that it wasn't on the 21st because it would have been too much to handle. Oh, and true. I but because it was a lot to handle there because I I've. For my row, we were okay, but I can see people like bawling the entire time because it was a lot, and and it was weird because to because he sounded so present. It was like he was really there, and it was weird to look at the stage and he wasn't there. It's like this weird cognitive dissonance. But I always said like, as much as I buy all this other stuff, I usually support support the state for the reasons that you were saying, Princess Friend. But I always say the best way to sell or not even sell to teach people about Prince is by helping them see prince do his job and if i if it does tour because they said it was going to tour next year i don't really know if it does but if it does i'm taking everybody i know who's like why do you like prince to that show because you can't leave a show like that and be like i don't get it because you're gonna get it you're gonna be like whoa Mm, mm. we lost something huge here but i can definitely see depending on where you're at as in the healing process of prince it's either going to be an amazing experience or it's going to be an incredibly horrible painful thing to go through 
Yeah, and I think I think honestly, and it, it might be the fact that you guys had already done celebration once before. But when I, you know, the the only time that I had actually cried uh, about Prince was when I found out that he died, and then the second time was at that show, uh, because like, and in the beginning, and it was I was kind of in this, I was in the same you know vein as you guys in the very beginning of the show, and I was just like, you know, wow, this is so much fun, and it's cool to kind of like imagine that he's there and he's doing his thing. And then there was just a certain point in in the concert where it just like it hit me, uh, where I had I just I like took a seat and I just like closed my eyes and I was like I'm just going to enjoy this for the music and not for this kind of you know play that seemed to be kind of putting being put up in front of us. Uh, can, can I can it, I ask you a quick question? I hate yeah, to cut go you, for it. but I want. Have you ever seen Prince live in concert before? I have. You have okay. Yeah, yeah. Only once before, um, but I definitely have seen him uh, live in concert. And it might be different for those people who hadn't seen him in concert before as well. Um, you know, but for me, it's it, it almost seemed like it was a pantomime kind of thing. Like, I get the I get the the intent is like, he's not here, but we want to still have the same experience of like what it's like for him to be here. Um, or, you know, if you never got to see him in concert, here's what it's like to see him in concert. But it, it just felt, I don't know, the, the revelation that he was not there became so much bigger than any than the enjoyment mm-hmm. that I could have of it. Um, so, and I'm sure that there were other people, like you said, you know, you saw other people balling and stuff and I might just be lumped in with that group. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, um, you know, but for me, it, it, it really was in, in like, and it, it, it hit, it struck me weird too, when they did it at the end of, of the, uh, the for you, cause they did a sim, a, a similar sort of thing at the end of that show. They did that again, where the symphony was playing along with the pre-recorded thing. And it, I don't know, it just, it, it, it rubs me the wrong way, and I understand why people enjoy it, but it definitely it it, it struck me hard. Uh, I think also the the when I looked around and like the there was so few younger people, um, and the fact that then of course then the show itself was mostly '80s stuff, and I think they did a couple of early '90s stuff, and then they did musicology, um, you know, as part of the actual show itself. And, uh, like it all hit me kind of all at once. It, you know, really it was going to celebration that like cemented my channel, uh, because it was like, you know, it was cool. Like I was doing, I was doing my channel more for fun, you know, and just for my own, you know, morning and, but it, but it wasn't like a thing that I was like, I have to do this now. Uh, but after that show, I was just like, like, this is like one of the biggest things that they did, um, and they're, you know, they're they're pulling out old footage of Prince, and they're really putting them up on this, you know, this big th- live on the big screen. Like they're making a big deal about this, and then that was what they showed us. And I was, I don't know, I was, I bawled. I was so sad. And what was cool about it, though, to bring it back to the positive, was that the next day. Um, that same band that played on the big screen and stuff and he did all the 80s hits and everything at Paisley, they did all the stuff that I wish they would have done at live uh, at, at the Prince Live on the big screen. Like they did all of his, they did songs from, you know, Rainbow Children. They did, you know, they did stuff from all those songs that I wish that they would have put up uh, in front of everybody because this was a giant stage. This was their, this was their chance. This was to say, 
this is the prince that you know that we now miss and it, it was and it was similar to the for you thing it was like my expectation of that was that it was not going to be just 80 songs and that it was going to kind of go across his entire catalog and stuff. And, you know, I could go on and on and on. Well, no, uh, it, that's a very interesting observation because I think it, it all comes down to the person because I can feel everything yeah. you just said. But I get, see, my expectation would have probably been exactly the opposite. Mm-hmm. Uh, I walked in there and I knew they was possibly going to do this, but because I think they had released the... Um, Nothing compares to you video maybe a day before or something like that with the, you know, that rehearsal footage. Oh, yeah. I'm walking into that show thinking, oh, they're about to show us that. <laughs> like stuff, yeah. more of that. Now, of course, that's 80s all the way. But I, for me, that would that's my walk away. I, you know, like I said, I could nitpick. I could say, like, to me, they just showed the 90s. I understand why they show that or 2000s because it's the highest quality highest quality type stuff and they're you know they're gonna show you some low-grade vhs you know recording stuff <laughs> up there but for me i would feel the same way you feel but i was you know i don't expect them to do that but for me i was like it didn't really show me what i wanted to see but yeah again i understand that they're playing they have to play prince to everybody and it's True. it's almost impossible to you know they can't base it off of one fan's expectation or a group of fans because again prince is too big for that well this <laughs> prince is too big for that though right you would be yeah. you'd no, be putting I, prince no, in a box you. if you did that right which again you yeah. might think is cool but there's probably a whole bunch of other people who are like how come you didn't show this there's always going yeah. to be though i mean when prince was alive we said that on his t- tour oh he's just doing the hits you know we, yeah. we railed on prince about that right and sometimes he'll go okay well i'm gonna do you know but again, I yeah, think but, but, Prince but the, is way too big. I guess my point is to say is that as much as you feel that, mm-hmm. how it has that effect on you, I'm sure there will, again, I could have the same way to say, well, I wanted to see the exact opposite Oh yeah, most definitely. of what it was. But I understand that, you know, this yeah. guy's career is way too big to, you know, to really uh, play fairly, I guess, to any yeah. one sort of thing because there's just too much there. And, I, and it only makes sense to me why they would show that footage because it was newer footage. And then it, for him to play some of the songs that he did play, I get that. Like almost the best of both worlds to, well, we're not going to, we're not going to show you no parade footage up here, Michael. You, you can stop mm-hmm. that right now. <laughs> yeah. And, you know I what I mean? mean? Go ahead. That was the, that was the era to do it because whenever the, there was a deluge of, Prince everything everywhere. It was generally the welcome to shows that everyone's losing yeah. their minds over. Yeah. And like, that's my, well, I said I love the show and I totally did. But that's also the era that I spend the least amount of time with just when I'm listening to stuff because it's like, okay, it's going to be like Purple Ray, it's going to be controversy, he's going to do Kiss, he's going to do the Dance Ring Kiss. And it's just like, ugh, it's very formulaic. And I hate the arena shows for that. But it also, it, it it's inclusive of most of his catalog. And like he said, Michael, for those shows, I'm like, I wish you would have done more of the songs that you were working on at the time. It was always just like a yeah. review. But that that made sense that they chose that air for a show like that or a musicology show would be a good choice as well because um, because of that, because of how at that time in his career, it was, hey, everybody, I'm here to make some money and also remind you of your past <laughs> and your childhood and I, how you grew up with me and things like that. I definitely agree with you there. 
and for me, I think a large portion of it was the illusion that they were trying to create with that. And I think it was a successful illusion, but what it did for me and probably all those other people that you saw crying was that this illusion, it just made it even more obvious that Prince was not there. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, Which would so happen became, with, no matter what they show, right? Like, well, I don't even know, right? Because if they had just done what, like, what you said, which was to show old footage and you know have a fun time, kind of seeing stuff that we had never seen before, and you know whatnot, I think that it would have had somewhat of the same thing. But in that, in but in that vein, they wouldn't be trying to trick us. They'd be just showing us stuff that would make us cry because we're sad that he's not there. Not saying, hey, look, everybody, it's almost like he's here. Oh, crap, no, he's actually well, not. Well, no, yeah, I get what you're saying there, but I think the thing is, though, see, that's what I'm saying. Sonically, and that playing in a big arena like that, I'm I'm pretty sure the quality of the stuff they could show from the old day is not going to translate well in that arena, right, to, to play where people are going to say, this sounds, some people are going to say, man, this sounds like crap. I mean, it's the same reason why there are certain fans who love hearing the crappy versions yeah. of those bootlegs that they've always listened to <laughs> versus, oh, I love this new cleaned up version. And some people will have an issue with some of the things that might be, you know, like we can funk or something like that. It's, I mean, you're never going to be able to- You're leave, never going to please everybody. Please everybody. Definitely not. And they can yeah. only, and again, it would make, okay, it makes sense why they could show that footage in yeah. that arena because it's gonna sound a lot better look a lot better as, as opposed to as we talked about those youtube videos we watch now right like i love what they're showing but man is there a reason why the quality is so low like you know what i mean <laughs> even more than that the sound because yeah. you know prince was always about real music by real musicians and it, i mean depending on your perspective right the the voice part is always gonna be like ah pain but the 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 music by the musicians who were there when the music was made or performed was really important like oh yeah that next day when that band did it was crazy to hear one plus one plus one is three mm-hmm. live in the paisley park soundstage because yeah. i love the rainbow children and i was just like oh my god finally they're doing stuff because it was my <laughs> birthday too and so i was like okay this is it and and they did like the work part one and they did all these songs that that are from the mayor that i love the most and it's different to hear a recording of it, even if it's Prince and, and the main band. Because here's the interesting thing. Sorry, we're going to talk along. So <laughs> live, Prince live on the big screen. You you had the voice there. The band was there. It sounded like he was there in a, in a creepy way. The next day, to me, hearing the, the, the instrumentation, the sound, the live sound, I missed Prince more. Well, actually... In a weird way, I miss Prince more then, but also didn't. I felt like he was there because yeah. this is his arrangement that he put together with – it was a different band, but with musicians that he worked with across his career. So it, it was it was weird that when he wasn't obviously there, he seemed more present than when he was there in, with a voice. 100% what you just said. Like 100%. Because that's exactly my feeling is that he – it felt so empty when I was there at the Prince uh, live on the big screen. And then the next day they brought me back up. Cause, cause I was, cause I was running on fumes on that last day. I was like, cause the night before like drained me emotionally. And when I went there and they were like, let's do this. Like, we're going to, we're going to play from all of these songs that you didn't ever hear that you've never like, 
it was really cool because they were all my favorite tracks, like from Rainbow Children and all that stuff. And but there were tons of people that you could just look at their faces and tell that they had never heard those. Mm. And I thought that show was it like in that moment became even more important than the Prince live on the big screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and to me, at least. Right, let me ask this question to everybody. This is interesting. Um, in regards to the Prince on the big screen, and I, I'm going to use the word you use, Prince's friend, like you felt sort of tricked a little bit. Do you see any correlation between that presentation and, say, uh, a lot of the uh, controversy of the supposed sort of hologram thing? Like, would some people think that this would be sort of that type of a show where it's like, it's not, and they didn't use a hologram, but of course they're showing, you know, they're presenting this as if he's there and we got another band playing with him. Now, again, I, I thought it was dope, but I'm curious what you guys think. Is there any correlation between them? No, and and I do want to and I do want to state real quick, like, uh, you know, I'm not faulting anybody for doing it, and I actually think that the way that they executed it was really cool because, especially when you got to hear uh, the panel with those people who were on stage, and you got to hear about like everything, like how technical they had to be in order to sync up with the video and all of that stuff. So, like, they were masterful and also and and actually pulling it off. So, you know, definitely no shade on anybody involved because they, they went out to do this thing and they did it well. And it was and it was actually great sonically, as you said. Um, but I think that the it might be akin to the same kind of hologramish kind of thing, because I think it's about as close to a hologram as any Prince friends are going to let them get away with. Um, <laughs> cause the moment, the moment that like Justin Timberlake said, yeah, we're going to have foot. No, no, you're not. And they're like, Oh wait, no, but we're really not though. Yeah, you're right. Um, yes, it was, it was hilarious during that show. Um, but I think, I think it is kind of akin to the same thing. So, cause it's not like you, you know, you're not taking a, you know, a 3d image of Prince and making him do things, but you know, they edited that stuff together and they, they created this atmosphere that made it feel like Prince was there, even though he wasn't. And then that sort of thing, that's, that's when it hit my emotions for real. Cause if it was just us watching a concert, we all know he's not there, but we're here to just kind of enjoy it. And it's going to be awesome, you know, but they're, they're, actually taking the that extra step in order to almost trick your brain because you look down at the stage you'd look up at the screen it's like it's almost like i'm at a prince concert which was exactly what they were trying to do um but then it's just like but but wait a minute but i'm not and he's not here and um that's why the second day like you know like kinesa said you know he wasn't there and yet it felt like he was more there spiritually than he was at the show where we could see him. Yeah, I mean, it might be just the imagination piece. Like, like when you read a book, you can't see what's really happening. You have to imagine it in your head. Mm-hmm. And so for that second show, it's all his music. So the prince that you perceive is the one that lives with you anyway. And it's going to be very personal in that way. I think maybe that might be the reason why it resonates a little bit more. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, just, just the shits and giggles. Kanisa, if you had a choice, would you rather see more Prince on the big stage like that, whether it's on a big, big stage or, you know, celebration style, 
or would you rather see like just you know, that band play by themselves play the song? Mm, that's really hard because it depends on what my motivation is. Enjoy it is, well, I mean, well, it's, it's do do I want this for other people to experience friends who haven't, mm. or do I want this for me? Okay. Because we have a local group in Atlanta that has, they didn't work for, for, for Prince, but they were big fans and they are very good at translating Prince's songs. And I love those because they don't always do the hits. So it'll be like a deep cut. They'll do like in a large room with no light or some of the lesser known songs like uh, love to the nines, what print the fans would know, but most people wouldn't. Mm-hmm. And I always love those because it feels like church when we're there. And it feels like he's with us because these are people who love music that are going to do these to these events and people who love Prince and music who are performing these songs for us. So I love that. And, and when I see the bands that are touring, for example, I always notice that Prince isn't there versus people who may be lesser known. Like it's like that band on the second day was a combination of different eras. So it's easier to digest that knowing that in their head, they all had their personal experiences with Prince and they had that shared experience of having to work for him or with him but it, they don't have an identity to where you're noticing that he's not there with them. Like the revolution is, was terrifying. It wasn't, that was when I, that made me sad because I was like, it was very obvious that he wasn't there or NPG because it was, um, it's a combination of people who wasn't exactly NPG. I, I miss him less with them. Mm-hmm. But when it's like that other group that had like cat and, you know, like people who are around later, it's easier to digest because they don't have as much as an identity. Um, to where you're noticing he's not there. So to answer your question, <laughs> personally, I prefer the mixed group, not the specific named ones, but the mixed groups doing it. Um, but if you hadn't been to a Prince concert before, I would prefer the big screen experience. Because I feel the same way about Michael. Because I've seen Michael a couple times too. And when they had that one tour, the Cirque tour come around, um, it was interesting the way that happened as well. Because it's like, oh, it's his music. It's not him. But this is kind of the same feeling of going to a Michael concert, uh, the kind of energy that's in the room for it. So I want people to feel the energy of a Prince concert of being around people who are like staring at him and being mesmerized by the music and by his, his whole entire presentation, which can be overwhelming even when he is here. Because that is something that is very special about a Prince experience. Yeah. All right. Um, and I think I think from my aspect, I would probably say I would want less Prince on the big screen stuff. <laughs> I mean, because even at the For You show, like I was jamming and I was with them, even though like it was all '80s. But I was like, I can overlook that because what they were doing was original and it was cool to kind of experience Prince's music through a symphony. And then at the very end, they threw in a similar thing where they're like, they're playing along with Prince, so it's almost the illusion of like, is Prince, you know, you know, uh, and it, it took me entirely out of what they were trying to do and then it created this trying to pretend that prince is there sort of thing um so i don't know it's it's weird it's 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 a weird thing yeah i mean i don't know i i could see both sides i guess but i would i don't know as much as i enjoyed the prince on the big screen thing it would be curious to me if they switched it up to a different prince time how it would play out you know, how the band would play along with, say, like if it was revolution footage or something, like, I don't, right. unless you had the revolution up there, it'd be very curious how they would 
get the sounds to sound right to such an older period. Um, I almost just rather just watch the videos, I guess, leave the band off or, you know, the new people playing and just yeah. let the shit roll. But that wasn't what I asked. So, uh, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. This, uh, so sorry. I know I just added on like an no, extra, no, no. That's like good. Five forty minutes the, the to the show. For the listeners love it. They, they love. They, they want to hear that. Um, all right, we're gonna wrap things up. Uh, before we get out of here, though, I want to go around the room. You know, this is basically this is our last one for the year. And uh, yeah, uh, Prince's friend, uh, where can they find you? Uh, obviously YouTube is, is where I hang out the most, um, youtube.com slash Prince's friend, uh, all one word. Uh, it, that's the main place. Uh, I actually just uploaded my final video of 2018 yesterday where I talked about like the highlights and how much we grew, we grew by leaps and bounds, uh, in terms of pretty much every metric on YouTube, which is really, really awesome. Um, but also I go through a lot of like the, my biggest videos and stuff like that. So if you're looking to figure out like, you know, if I want to get into, you know, the channel, you know, where should I start? Well, like watch, watch my recap of the last year. And then you, I talk about a bunch of the videos that you might want to go and check out. Um, but yeah, that's my main place. Uh, YouTube, just type in Prince's friend, or actually type in Prince and then just go down a few in like the predictive texts and, and it'll be there. So that's pretty nice. All right. <laughs> uh, big sexy. Where can I find you, sir? <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, I can be found on Instagram under Mark Wiggins two. Facebook under Mark Wiggins and Twitter WSE Mark. All right. Kanisa, darling Nisi. Mm, darling Nisi on Twitter and Tumblr. And you can hop straight to Muse to the Pharaoh, Muse to the Pharaoh.com. Last episode was about fan, fams, and fanatics, where we kind of deep dive on what all that means and how to deal with all those levels of engagement. That was a good <laughs> we one. We also did like a survey as well uh, that we did based on the celebrity attitude scale from the university of somewhere over the pond. And um, it was interesting, the results that came back from that. So definitely check out um, that podcast and how you compare on that scale as well. All right. Anything we can look forward to coming from, 2019. I, should, I I'm gonna, and I'm asking this on uh, Princess Friend as well. But Kanisa, anything we can look forward to for the new year? Yeah, I'm not gonna say I'm chasing some people for some interviews, but I'm chasing some people for some interviews. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and um, doing some because we had a podcast about Prince and Race, uh, a series called Planting Flags in the Funk, where we talked about um, the first episode was about women who black women who were coming up with Prince, and we have some future ones about Prince in Minneapolis and. Um, black bodies and um, pop culture and how they are consumed and enjoyed and different influences, um, musical influences of Prince and things that we're going to dig into. So that's going to be a series that's ongoing through the year um, that I'm most excited about. And then, of course, the regular stuff. Very excited. We're going to do a Rainbow Children deep dive because that's my second favorite album from my first favorite era. But yeah, lots more to come. All right. You can find that all yeah. right here. Uh, <laughs> and, and like for me like uh, we're going to be doing a lot more of, of kind of the same you know we do news we do whatever um, but the last album review that I did from Prince was for Chaos and Disorder which means I'm finally done with 
all of the Warner Brothers and all of the 90s and 80s stuff. And we finally start to get getting into the late 90s and the 2000s. So Emancipation is, you know, I'm going to be jumping into that, you know, right after the new year. I'm very, very excited about doing those videos. Um, and, you know, the the cool thing about doing a channel like mine, I am also chasing some interviews as well. Um, but, you know, I'm also trying to, you know, up my game in terms of, you know, production value and, um, you know, I've been trying to have a lot more fun and trying to engage more with the community um, that, you know, the community as a whole. But, you know, it's really cool that we've actually kind of created a community almost around Prince's friend. Uh, so, you know, I'm here kind of, you know, as that vessel to kind of serve uh, and continue kind of laying out, you know, my vision of who Prince was, which, of course, is different for, for everybody. All right. And uh, let me take the time here to thank uh, a lot of our guests th this year. Um, we want to shout out St. Paul. Uh, we want to shout out the Pierian alumni, uh, Gail Chapman, uh, Jesse Jenkins was on this year. Oh, shout out to Peach and Black podcast. We did that joint show earlier in the year. That was so much fun. Uh, John Wesley Payne, of course, uh, my OG cousin, Charles Chaz Smith, uh, shout out to Funkatopia, Chris, uh, we did a show earlier this year, Tony M uh, for coming through, uh, D'Angela Duff, uh, my guy Troy Gua, you know, for coming through uh, this <laughs> year, and we got some, me and Troy got some stuff planning for next year, which should be fun, uh, shout out to Craig Alexander, uh, you know, over there in Houston, Craig holds it down for Prince in Houston. Uh, he had the Prince Day in Houston. Shout out to him. Uh, shout out to Craig Lawrence Rice for coming on and doing a really good interview. Uh, Levi, uh, thank you for coming on this year. I'm trying to think that I forget anybody else uh, in terms of interviews. I think that was it. Oh, shout out to uh, Miles, uh, Marshall Lewis who came through and gave us some insight on that Ebony story. Oh yeah. That was, that was really a good episode. Pretty fun. Yeah. Episode. Uh, shout out to, uh, uh, my guy, uh, Terrence Jackson. Uh, man, that was, it was the adventure getting you on brother. And thanks for coming on. And also shout out to, um, uh, gosh, I am going to butcher the Dave Hampton, Sam Jennings, uh, Amy Carlton and Janetta, Janetta Jenkins, we had our Prince uh, Tech Talk. Uh, thank you all of those guys for coming on and, and really just getting that together. Um, did a phenomenal, those guys did a phenomenal job with that. And uh, again, shout out to my peoples, Big Sexy and Sack, always holding it down. Um, Q Storm, <laughs> uh, Aunt Pooh, uh, shout out to Chloe. She came through with some phenomenal interviews over in London this year for us. Uh, I'm excited to what she's got going on. Uh, shout out again. I forgot uh, the Academy of Prince. Uh, people of Paisley Park, I believe. Uh, and actually, we might be doing uh, some sort of fundraiser here in, in Seattle with them uh, later this year. So looking forward to that. Um and also, at the end of the day, man, I have to shout out all of the listeners, all of my Patreon family, uh, people that be hitting me up. Listen, uh, this is why we do the show. 
and we, you know, connected is that we all connected as family and just really want to say that we appreciate you guys for taking the time to listening to us because I know how life is busy. Y'all got jobs, family, you got your own situations to go through. And the fact that you can find any time in the day to either watch our videos, listen to us on these podcasts, follow us online and stuff, that is a blessing. And we so much appreciate that. So we just want to shout out to y'all for letting us come into your brains and your ears and your eyes and letting us live there and, and help you hopefully get through the day so definitely shout out to all of you guys um last thing i will say is uh for those who listen to the other podcasts thank you so much we have the work it like a job podcast coming we already got two in the can uh hopefully that's gonna you know get some people motivated and, and get things going we're gonna crack the whip on the purple rain minute we're going to get that back. We're going to real, real, wrangle that back in and get that pop. <laughs> we might even start doing another movie, which I'm not going to say on, on a Prince thing, but we, we're really going to push it down this year. And again, a thank you to everyone who's actually on this podcast right now with me. All you guys are inspire me to work harder and uh, just continued success in everything that you do. Hey, Michael Dean, work it like a job. We'll see you next time. Peace. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Check us out at podcastjuice.net. If you're on YouTube, please hit that subscribe button so you can be notified of the newest episodes. And be sure to check out the website for our official podcast on prints and work it like a job t-shirts.